and welcome back to the What The Folk Sunland Preview Podcast. It has been a bit of a hectic week at Sunland. Following Saturday's 1-1 draw at Millwall, Tony Mowbray, as you all know, was sacked after 18 months on Wearside. There's been tons of um, pretty cool Ryman names thrown in the hat, such as Will Still. However, you know, perhaps most importantly, eyes now focus on the actual game of football on Saturday, where we think it'll be Mike Dodds in charge unless things change. And as always, we're going to be here to preview the game. And I'm joined by a debutant on the podcast in the shape of Chris Hall, not a rhyming name, sadly, from Albion <laughs> Analysis. Chris, how are you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, feel free to change my name if it if it makes it easier. If the rhyming thing is uh, is a prerequisite, then just you know uh, uh, go go with go with whatever you want. Hall is not the most difficult last name in the world to rhyme either. So you should you you should uh, excuse the pun. Have a ball. So. I was going to say the only thing I could think of, I was thinking there's a rhyme, a rhyme with Chris and the only thing I come up with was piss and I feel like yeah, quite bad. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that 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 sort of giving me flashbacks to uh, to junior school. So uh, when, <laughs> when uh, the the first time kids learned that word and realised it rhymed with my name. So we'll not we'll not go there unless we want this to turn into a therapy session. Yeah, promise, promise I won't do that. Um, <laughs> We'll get straight to it from the top. Look, I think West Brom have been in really solid form, but if you're mm. looking at the, the last game, I watched it late, late winner after a late, late equaliser. Um, we're a few days on from that, and look, it's always a pain in the arse conceding in the 90th, 100th minute or whatever it is. But how are you feeling after the game and, and how was the performance? I've got to be honest. I mean, it, it it was one of it was one of those goals that just absolutely punches you in the stomach. It really, it really. I mean, that one really hurt. I'm not. I'm not even going to sit here and lie that I didn't. I I didn't go home absolutely miserable. I was. Uh, 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 my, my missus had come to the game with me. I, I think she had the common sense not speak to me all the way home, not speak to me all, all all evening, which was a very smart move to be honest. I was not not in a good place, but. When you actually reflect on it afterwards, there's so many positives to take away from it. We, uh, I, I don't think I'm telling you anything you don't know here that, that Leicester are comfortably the best side in this division by a, a long, long way. No, it's not even close. I, I upset Ipswich fans by saying this on Talking Town the other week when when I suggested that Leicester will run away with the league and they went, oh, hello, us. And I was like, no, sorry, guys, you won't even be close come the end of the season but they're class they're, they're they're comfortably the best team in the league and we more than match them for the vast majority of the game they've scored one absolutely fantastic goal yes there's elements of it we could do better but I mean the 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 run from Indeedy the clip cross the run from Kean uh, and Dewsbury Hall to head it in it's just it's just a it's a Premier League goal in the championship that's what that's what it is but then you know we've we've battled we've got ourselves level and to be honest we've only we've only lost in the last minute because we've we've had a choice to stick or twist and we've twisted and it hasn't it hasn't come off you know we've 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 rolled the dice and it's come up snake eyes unfortunately but that is what it is um and it was interesting to hear Corbrand come out after the game and and he obviously obviously the first thing he gets asked about is the last minute goal and he and he says look you know there are elements within the way you know tactically in the way in the way that we defended it that we could do better he said but if you if you're if you want me to come out here and condemn the mentality of trying to win a home game in the 95th minute i'm not going to do it i love that mentality i want that mentality and i thought do you know what yeah, it hurts that we lost it. And the other thing is, I mean, because he's very, he's very clinical. He's almost, you know, mathematic in his approach, and 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 he quite literally pointed out that it's a gamble to gain two points or lose one. And is in his mind, 
you know that makes total sense and actually when you look across you look across the the course of the piece with Corbrandt and we really haven't drawn that many games because the guy doesn't settle for draws it, i mean i've seen previous albion managers when we're when we're drawing against a decent team you know just basically go what we have we hold we don't we, you know we we don't lose the game and Corbrand's not like that at all Corbrand if there's an opportunity to go and win the game we'll we'll try we'll we'll go and win it i mean look look when we came to your place last season you bossed us for for 45 minutes we co- we come out second half a completely different team get level and you th- and you sort of think you know, Albion will sit on this. A, a, a sort of like a draw away at Sunderland in the first game back after the World Cup is not a bad result. But we didn't. We went at you and we won the game deservedly in the end because of it. And that's just Corbran all over. That it, it, You know, we... we when I when I go on these sorts of shows, people always ask me for a score prediction. And my answer's generally always the same. Probably 2-1, but I've no idea which way. Because because that's kind of what I expect. I expect it to be 1-1 with about 15 minutes to go. And we'll go for it and it could go either way. But that's that's kind of that's kind of where we're at. Looking at the form, and obviously, you know, you sound positive for a reason. And if anyone's not aware of that prior to that game, and Leicester or Leicester, we've touched on that and it's accurate. Um the best side in the league, so there's the caveat. But you've won five of the last six, and that includes a win over Ipswich, who look are doing pretty well. Um, you're currently sitting fifth. I think the top two are running away a little bit. But how confident are you that this season can be the season West Brom can get promoted, maybe via the playoffs? I mean, you, you talk about the run. What's What's interesting about about that run is uh, we 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 had a we had a we had a run of games where we um, we beat QPR and Coventry in back to back games. We we'd beaten Sheffield Wednesday just uh, just a, a couple of weeks before that as well. And uh, you know we we were climbing the table. I think we got into six actually after the Coventry victory. And a lot of Albion fans said that's ah, very nice, but. It's the next six games that because you know, we I think there was a little bit of who have we really played up to this point. Um, we we played Leeds very early on in the season, but we hadn't really played any of any of the big boys, and and we knew our next six were Hull at home, Southampton away, Ipswich at home, Cardiff away, Leicester at home, Sunderland away, and everybody said those six games. That's where we find out where our Albion are at. Well, we beat Hull. We lost to Southampton, but anybody would tell you we were the better side. You know, neutrals have said it. Even Southampton fans have said it. We beat Ipswich, hadn't lost an away game all season. We're the first team um, to keep a clean sheet against them since Valentine's Day, and we're um, uh, and we're the first team to stop them having a shot on target for nearly two years. We beat Cardiff away, um, a team that you know are, are, are a difficult side in this league. Had just had just won two uh, one away at, at Preston with two two goals in the ninetieth minute, and, and we've lost to Leicester with a last minute goal. It's not just the form; it's who we're doing it against. And because I think there were question marks after we beat Coventry that it's it's all well and good beating teams in the last third of the league, but can you really do it against the sort of top six to eight teams? Well. We have. You're the you're the last one of the really of the of the you know the the, the really really tricky tricky games tricky run of games that we've that we've had to had to contest with before um, the season large largely rotates. We've still got it. We've still got a couple of teams that we haven't played: Rotherham, Stoke, Norwich. But with all due respect to them, you know, there's nothing particularly terrifying in there. The the the, the six teams that we looked at and went, they will really test us. Well, we've beat three of them and. 
whilst we've lost to the other two, I don't think anybody would say we deserve to uh, to lose the other two. In answer to your question, I don't know. Is the sim- because because there's one huge huge caveat with Albion that has that has to be stated, and that is that we are financially in a massive amount of trouble. Um, we. Practically every player was up for sale in the summer. Um, we've uh, we, we, we've um, we've had to we already, we already had one £20 million loan from MSD Holdings. We've had to take a top up on that loan um, only a couple of weeks ago, which we don't quite know how much it was. We know it was a lot less than the than the twenty mil, but it's still going to have been m- m- more than a pocket full of change. Let's put it that way, and. You know, we we don't know who we're going to have to sell in January. We've just had Matt Phillips ruled out for for four months, who's probably been our best player since Carlos Corbran came in as manager. There's definitely going to be unless out of nowhere a take. Well, I'll not say out of nowhere because all the all the talk is that um, we are advancing with talks with various parties, but I don't think there's any suggestion that we expect a takeover to be done and dusted by the new year. And so I don't think first first and foremost, anybody expects us to have any money to spend in uh, uh, to to replace people like Matt Phillips in January. But far more importantly than that is, is are we going to have to sell anyone? Are we going to have to sell, you know, one of our key players? And uh, I mean, I don't think Grady Dean Garner will go there, not least because he's going away to the African Cup of Nations, which probably will rescue us from from having to uh, having to sell him but there's but there's a number of players i mean you know alex mowat's been unbelievable this season he's only got a few months left on his contract if you know if somebody comes knocking with a few hundred grand for him are we in a position where we have to cash in because uh, because of you know who is similar with kipre who's been absolutely outstanding if somebody comes knocking with a bit of money his contracts up in the summer are we going to are we are we going to have to are we going to have to sell him you know we 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 resisted overtures for people like Alex Palmer, Brandon Thomas Asante, John Swift, people like that in the summer. Are we going to be able to do that again? So, I mean, to answer your question, I know I've kind of gone around the houses to do so. If we still have the same squad come the 1st of February, yeah, I'm confident because I I massively believe in this manager. I love this group of players. I think they're, I think they're a really, they're, they're a small group, but they're a tight knit group. There's a lot of talent in there. I think we've got, we've got an exciting team, but where I draw, where I massively drop the caveat is I don't know how many of them we're going to have come first of Feb. You touched on Cobran before, and I think, you know, from the outside looking in, I don't know a great deal about him, but he's interesting to say the least. There's sometimes a manager that'll kind of prick your interest in the same league and you think, well, it seems like he's doing all right. So I dug in a little bit. He's been there like 14 months. His win ratio, I think this is league games only, 49.6. That's the best in his career. So he already came quite well rated and highly rated, and he's came and done better than he has done anywhere previously. You've already said you highly rate him. How good of an appointment has he been? Because when you reach that 14-month period, you do get to a point where you go, right, I think I know what we've got here. And you can make a, a, a kind of a a pretty good assumption on what you think he's going to do moving forward. I don't think it's an overstatement to say that when in, a, in years to come, we look back on this period, I think we will say that Carlos Corbran saved this football club in the same way that Gary Megson saved this football club in 2000. Because 
Gary Megson came in at a time when we were having to sell players and we, we, we were on the verge of relegation to, to League One and we were struggling desperately and he kept us up on the final day and um and and we, and we then bounced on and went in and went into the premier league very similarly carlos corbran came in we're hemorrhaging money we've got nothing to spend we're bottom of the league under steve bruce on the 1st of november and he comes in he gets us to within one win of the playoffs we we to be honest we were um we we were in the playoffs until you started putting Preston to the sword on the final day so i mean there was there was a period of about 15 20 minutes on the final day when we were in the playoff places that's how close we came to making them and and then, and now he's gone one better and uh, or so or so it seems for for the time being anyway and and has us competing very strongly up in the, up in the top 6 and he's done an unbelievable job against a backdrop of just a complete and utter farce behind the scenes like you know we we've got we've got an owner who's um it, out in china i think he's been to like one game two games since he bought the football club he's got zero interest in it um we he's he's taken money out like we're his own personal piggy bank he's um the 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 ownership of the football club has come become completely splintered and we we we're owned by a whole bunch of subsidiaries that we, we you know that, that we're even you know even action for albion the the, the fan protest group who've done an unbelievable job trying to pick this apart have had hard have had hard yards trying to make sense of this totally tangled web of, of an ownership that we've got that would have crippled most clubs that you you look you look at the majority of clubs who have a total and utter mess going on behind the scenes and it reflects on the pitch and Corbran has somehow managed to block that out from the players and he's managed to create this unity within the group the players love playing for him that much is clear the the, the ones I mean Jason Mullumby who was our, our player of the season last season has been sat on the bench most of this season you haven't heard a peep out of him he doesn't look like he's throwing his toys out the pram you know Players just seem to get on, get on, on with it under Corbran. He's, uh, I'll happily say, um, we're the most organised side in the in the championship. We might not be the best, but we're the most organised. Uh, I mean, our xG against numbers are just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, we we kept Ipswich to 0.2 xG. Like Ipswich ha- uh, uh, have. Uh, the top scorers in the championship, they have the most shots, the most shots on target. They have the highest XG per game. And we kept, we kept them down to an, an XG of 0.2. Nobody does that. Absolutely nobody does that. I mean, at, at home, we've we've just been absolutely ridiculous. There's, uh, there's, only, um, there's only Leicester uh, that, I, that I can see, um, to be honest, since... August, who've who've had who've managed over um, over one non-penalty xG at the Hawthorns. I mean, that's crazy. Like no nobody is that defensively solid. He's just an unbelievable manager. And I mean, look, I should say it quietly because I don't want him going anywhere else. But um, but uh, you know, he can he can stay at stay at the club for as long as long as he likes. As far as I'm concerned, he won't because he's destined for really really big things and and I don't mean you know I had a bit of bit of banter with some Sheffield Sheffield United fans on Twitter because somebody somebody put him um, put him as a candidate for the chef U job and I was just like come off it like he wouldn't take that job like wh- why why would he uh, when I say he's destined for big things I mean I I mean he will go his next job will be something like a Brighton or a Brentford that is a smaller Premier League club but extremely well run and 
after that, the sky's the limit for the bloke. I, honest, I honestly think he will end up managing a Champions League club. I'm not saying an English Champions League club because I realise that's a very, very big, big statement. But I uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up managing a team in the, in the Champions League somewhere across Europe because he's just that good a manager. He really is. His reputation has been really high and I think, you know, he hasn't done a bad job, to my knowledge, anywhere that he's been. Um one player that is going to come to the stadium light on Saturday, who I feel like we haven't seen for ages, but I could be wrong with this. I don't think we've actually seen him at all, but again, I might be wrong with this. Um, hasn't really played, joined you in the summer. You didn't really make that many signings in the summer. You've explained the reason behind that. But Josh Madger got his first goal um, mm. with the equaliser in the 89th minute, and I kind of forgot he existed, to be honest. But <laughs> um, he did a really good job at Sunderland and Lockett. It was a turbulent time. It was awful. It was only for six months, but... Loads of Sunderland fans will tell you if he stays for the next six months, we get out of League One in the, the, the first shot. Rep- what sort of reception do you think he'll get? I was uh, we, we were actually debating that, yeah, because because you watch you watch Sunderland till uh, till I die, and he and he sort of he leaves a bit um, promptly and uh, and clearly not not with the best wishes of the management staff. It would it, it would seem so. I I did wonder whether whether he was going to whether he was going to get a bit of a hot reception. I'd be absolutely shocked if he didn't get a good one, mainly because the people who on the documentary are a little bit upset about it uh, would not get the best reception if they came back. So um, I would certainly give him a good one. It was only, you know, six months, but 17 goals or so in that sort of six months. But he's, you know what, he's not really kicked on. I think we all know what happened with Bordeaux, at least on the, the, the perimeters of what happened. And he kind of, didn't really set off there. He went to Fulham. He gets two goals. I think it was against Everton, but then doesn't really do much else. And then he ends at West Brom. He's played, he's appeared eight times. And that's not eight starts, but he has scored his first goal in the last game. What's the early opinions? I know it's hard to form the full opinion at, at the moment. Uh, it's interesting, actually. I put I put a poll up um, on uh, the the Albion analysis um, uh, X account earlier today um, because it was one of the big talking points on this week's pod of who would you start up front against Sunderland? Um, uh, Major Brandon Thomas Asante, uh, both of them or neither, and. Major was last I checked um, was winning by an absolute street. Um, Albion fans want to see him start, and the second highest vote was for both of them. So uh, there was there was around about sixteen percent of people who who were choosing an option that didn't involve Major starting. Um, so I think it's it's fair to say that um, uh, that that around about sort of like eighty five percent of eighty four percent of Albion fans that I've polled want Major to start. I think the the opinion of him is good. I mean, first of all, his his minutes um don't really paint a paint a, a fair picture because there's context around that. He obviously came to us not having much had much of a pre-season, so he needed a bit of a bit of time doing that. He got sort of like eased into the into the side sort of getting the last 5-10 minutes of uh, of games um to come on and replace Brandon Thomas Asante and then we went away to Bristol City and we got battered first half. And he brought Major on. It was either at half time or very early on in the second half. And Major just absolutely destroyed them. Um, like Thomas Asante was running on uh, beyond him, and Major was just picking the ball up in pockets. Like he's he's got such good technical ability, it's unbelievable. And he was just like threading balls through. And and Thomas Asante was having a field day. And then in the in the last minute, um, Major 
gets the ball wide side of the penalty area and he's uh, he he's, he's he looks like he's just about to smash it in the bottom corner for us to win 1-0 and the defender flies out of nowhere and it looked like what he'd done was made an unbelievable challenge but actually when you saw it in the super slow-mo what he does is he smashes Maj's ankle and he basically damaged some ankle ligaments and he was out for um it was a good it's a good couple of months. It was a good couple of months. Yeah, that was that was way back in that was way back in September, I think. So um, he, he's he's missed he's missed a lot of games. He's only come back into the side the last few weeks, um, but he's come back in and he's he's looked really good. He came on against Leicester, and yeah, I mean he's not an out and out nine, is he? He's not he's he's not the guy who's going to go up there and hold the ball up and uh, and lead the line for you in quite that way, but. I mean, he if he drops off a little bit and players run in behind him, his technical ability, his close control, some of the things he can do is just is just fantastic. He's so calm as well when he when he gets it. It's like it's like the whole game slows down for him. Like you know, it's it's like watching something from the Matrix when he's dodging the bullets. Like <laughs> it, it, it's it, it, it's it's mad. It's mad watching. I personally love him, I, and uh, and he seems to have the right attitude as well. Sometimes when you get those kind of languid players there's a worry that okay but are they lazy with it I, he's not lazy he he want and, and he's got the right attitude he's got that desire that's that that comes through very very clearly he's just been really really unlucky with like i say with injuries because he came half fit he got fit he got 45 minutes at bristol city and then gets smashed in injury time and then uh, and like i say he's only just come back into the side but I the, the consensus from the Albion fans that I've polled, which I'm, by no means is the entire fan base, um, is that they they want him to start on um, uh, on on Saturday, and it'll be interesting to see if he does. Because conversely, Brandon Thomas Asante is not having a great time. He uh, he missed he missed a chance against Cardiff from like right underneath the crossbar. He was about five six yards out. It was just should have just been a simple header to nod it in. And somehow he's got he's got underneath the ball. Uh, he basically he's jumped too early, and as he's coming back down, the ball's come to him, and he somehow headed it over. And he's had a few like that this season. He, we we drew um, we 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 drew with uh, with Millwall, and he 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 missed some chances in the in, in the second half that, uh, against against them as well. And there's just been a few games where it's just not happened for Brandon and I, I really like him again he's another one with a cracking attitude and uh, and will run all day for you and will will bully defenders be he's horrible he must be horrible to play against but I kind of feel like for his own good he sort of needs taking out the firing line at the moment because it's just you, you know when that conversation starts and really starts going that you know oh he's he, he's he's no good he couldn't finish his breakfast all this sort of thing and it's like it just doesn't need that ball does not that, that snowball does not need to start gathering a lot of snow for uh, for him it's um i think i think he would be better off sitting on the bench um, on Saturday and and let Mazur have a go. It's, it's his old club. It, it, to be honest, it seems, I don't think he started a game yet for us this season. So it almost seems poetic that his first start would be against the club that he walked away from English football uh, from. We very, very stunned and we've had about a million players. I think I've got my figures right in that a million, maybe a million and one that have came back and scored on their first visit. So for West Brom fans, if you are listening, you definitely want Josh Madger to start. If you're a Sunderland <laughs> fan, you don't. Um, 
one person that obviously is normally a big conversation and was on last season's preview pod um, with West Brom fans, the home and away, is Tony Mowbray, but he's, mm. he's well, he's away. Um, I think a lot of Sunderland fans, and look, it's not 100%, but a lot of Sunderland fans can understand how it's come to pass, whether you agree with it or not, is then sort of a 60-40 split, I think, at the moment. Although, again, my figures are definitely not 100% on that. Um He's fondly remembered at West Brom, you know, when we were looking at can he get us up, West Brom was the only example and the West Brom fans that we spoke to last year were the only ones who sort of saw Tony in the same light that we did, good football, um, good for the young players, sort of talking about, um, I remember vaguely a West Brom fan telling me that he would always refer to his players as players with soft feet. Um, lovely, lovely soft feet lovely, lovely soft feet, feet. Yeah. that was it um, so he's, he's well liked and look he's well liked at Sunderland and he's one of the only managers that has actually been sacked or left whatever it may be that is probably going to go with a, a good reputation um, but it, for me it felt like the right time but I know from the outside looking in a lot of people are kind of shocked by it which it sometimes happens doesn't it when you're not a fan of the club and you, it comes out of nowhere but as a West Brom fan because you have a little bit more of a vested interest because of him being ex-West Brom manager what what did you make of his second? I mean look I, uh, first of all full disclosure I'm I'm biased because um, I worked for West Brom for eight years in the communications department and I worked with Tony for the whole time he was at the football club and I I, I love Tony um, I, I got on I got on really well with him I I, I found I found him a unique character, and I mean that in the best possible way. I know sometimes when people use the word unique, it's it's a it's a sly dig. This isn't. I I just found him a truly contemplative man who you know he really he he it was it was it was a weird time for the club because um, the club had got a lot of older pros in. Uh, Brian Robson had just uh, had just departed, who and he got on really really well with the uh, with the players and. Tony had to move a lot of players on because I think there was a lot of players there that were very much Brian's players. And I think it was important that Tony got his own, his own players in after we, we missed out on promotion. And I think the, I think the numbers were something like 13 out 11 in that, that summer when we ended up going on to win, um, to win the championship. And it was just, it was a great place to be around the training ground because he brought in so many of these young hungry players he brought in a young Chris Brunt James Morrison Roman Bedner came down from uh, from Scotland Ishmael Miller his uh, you know came from Manchester City his first like uh, his first club really in, um as as a pro you know and then you'd got the old pros around the place people like Jonathan Greening um Kevin Phillips uh, Paul Robinson just you know Dean Kiley and goal just really sort of like marshalling these guys through and Tony just built a really really good ethos and he he kind of he knew he knew which players he could lean on he knew the kind of characters he wanted, but he also knew that knew the kind of style of play that he wanted. I mean, he just everything. I mean, he got he got great he got great strikers. I mean, he got Kevin Phillips in that division, and I, I don't need to tell Sunderland fans about Kevin Phillips. You know, Golden Boot. He what, was what, what, he was all right, Kevin. Yeah, he was all right. <laughs> honestly, Kevin. I, I, I've, I've loved a lot of the players I've worked with uh, um, and and um, and some of them are on a par with Kev. I'd like to say that, but no, I've never loved one more than I love Kev. Uh, he was just, he was just such a brilliant bloke, but he, he had Kevin up front. He had Roman Bedner. He had Ishmael Miller. You know, he, he had, he had goals all the way, 
all the way through that uh, team. Even I, you know, Craig Beatty popped up with a few, and then and then you got this wonderful, wonderful midfield of Chris Brunt, Felipe Teixeira, Robert Corran, Zoltan Gira, Jonathan Greening. You know, just uh, just brilliant, brilliant footballers, all so attacking in the way in the way that they played the game and and we were just an absolute joy to watch and and the, and the players loved it all that season because they because they were going out to win games there was game uh, there was games where I, I I always I always remember I think it was I think it was Colch, uh, Colchester at home we were um we, we we I think we were three two down going into injury time and we still won four three you know and and that was that was just the kind of things we did I remember scoring two injury time goals I think it was against Luton that was the previous season but that was under Tony and 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 we just scored so many late goals we went to Coventry and blitzed them five nil and you know you know okay we every now and then we could go and lose a stupid game as well because that was because whilst our forwards and our midfield were one Wonderful, you know. Time has gone on to show that a lot of the defenders we had around that time, you know, weren't weren't great. Pele, not that one, um, didn't go on to have a great career. Leon Barnett had a decent career around the sort of like football leagues, but he wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't he wasn't top he wasn't top notch. Carl Huffkins came and went. I think he was he, he was part of that group. Obviously, Paul Robinson was a good player and Dean Kiley behind them, but we didn't have a great we didn't have a great defense. We didn't have a great defensive record either. But it didn't matter. It was it was like Keegan's Newcastle in the Championship. It was just it, it, and again, you know, the Sunderland fans. Sorry for bringing Keegan's Newcastle up, but and they were just as likely to lose four three as they were to win four three, and and that was us that season. I loved watching them drop twelve points at Christmas. That was fucking fantastic. <laughs> um, and hopefully, I bet you could watch the point. Liverpool four three game again and again and again and watch Keegan slump over that advertising board. In the words of the man himself, I loved it. I absolutely loved it when they beat them. Um, I suppose there's only a couple of questions left, but look, when you, I don't think we're going to have a new manager and that might change, but the consensus is we won't. We're speaking here on Wednesday night. Um, so how will West Brom fans view in that game? Because look, we're not in great form, but then suddenly we'll have a manager that's, that's gone. The players have come in. Uh, sorry, the players are still there. The manager's not, no managers come in. They've got a caretaker manager most likely. So how does, how do West Brom fans view that? Because I'm look without being arrogant, it's only the way I'm assuming is seen as a, a tougher game than most. Yeah, good. No, it is. I mean, look, you know, and you've got some good players, Jack Clark, people like that. You've you've got some you've got some really good players. I think I like I, I I can only speak for myself. I like to think we go into games with a degree of humility. I know that didn't necessarily come across last weekend when some people lost their head about us losing to the league leaders in the in the last minute. But I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give those people the credit and put that down to passion. But I I just. I, I think we've got a degree of humility about us at the moment. I think when we go, you know, the, the fans after we lost to Southampton were just like, I've never been so positive after a defeat. They they just looked at the performance. We got done late on. We made a little mistake at the back, and Adam Armstrong has punished us. And I think that's a bit where we where we will be at, at the weekend. I, I I think as long as the players show up and the performance is there, I think whatever happens happens. After that, and I think uh, I think that's where most reasonably minded Albion fans are are, are at the moment. I think, um, and uh, I, I, and uh, and the, these this group of players very it says this touching wood. This group of players very rarely fail to show up in any way, shape, or form. They don't win every week, 
because we ain't that good. But they they generally show up and give a performance that they can be proud of. And I think as long as we do that, as I say, whatever happens, happens, because it ain't an easy place to go. And if we get beat, we get beat. But yeah, I, I, th- I think I think as long as the performance is there, I'd like to think there's enough humility in our fan base to realise we're a small squad. We've just lost one of our best players this week in Matty Phillips through injury. Um, we're without Jed Wallace as well, which is um, which is another big blow. Obviously, our captain. So I think I think I think Albion fans would say if we go there and we give a good account of ourselves, even if it's another Southampton and we get done two one late on, or another Leicester and we get done two one late on, then. That is what it is, but you know we can be proud of where we are. But but I think the big thing is we give ourselves a chance going into every game. We gave ourselves a chance going into Leicester last weekend, and I don't think we fear anybody either. But yeah, I think I think you, you've got to have humility about it as well. I know what your prediction is going to be because you kind of said it. <laughs> um, but I normally would ask his final question, but I actually I, I want to take a moment to celebrate myself here because I've only had. Seven correct predictions in three and a bit years on this show. And I got one right last week with a 1-1. So you know what? I'm sticking with it. 1-1. I don't know what the hell's going to happen. I think you're good defensively. I think I think we're all right going forward. But we don't have a striker. A 1-1? Yeah, no science behind it, really. Where are you going? 2-1? I'll go 2-1 to us. Um, I, I think and what, what I would say is I think if we score the first goal, we'll win. Let's put it that way. And I, I, and I always feel that way about Albion. Uh, I, I said on Talk in Town before we played Leicester, because they said we, we've conceded the first goal in like six games in a row or something. And I said, last thing you want to do against us, like, because we, we will shut up the shop, board up the windows and the doors and, and, and it'll be a hell of a time getting through. I think I uh, to be honest I think if we if we get the first goal I think we could potentially go on to win it 2-0 because I think you'll you'll push and you'll push and you'll push and we'll do you on the break but um so uh, no I'm going I'm going to go away from me 2-1 and say 2-0 I won't take that and I will bid you a farewell and say I hope you have a terrible weekend but thanks for coming on Chris <laughs> um I do appreciate it mate thank you my pleasure <laughs> <laughs>